I'm Dr. Sarah Hales-Britton. I'm Luke Patrick. And I'm Sam Siegel. And welcome to Greased Lightning, a podcast where we talk about myth and movies and see what we can learn. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. I'm so excited about this episode. I've been waiting for this myth for a while. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So I like, let's just jump into it then. What is your relationship with Jason and the Argonauts? So, um, I knew about Jason's quests sort of very loosely through undergrad. I knew about Medea being this like very powerful figure, um, Mm -hmm. but I didn't really learn the story well until graduate school. Um, so the, because the, the main source that everybody goes to for this myth is a poem called Jason called the Argonautica, um, which just means like the voyage mm. of the Argo, um, of the Argonauts, um, by a guy named Apollonius of Rhodes. It's four books long, uh, and book three, which is where all the fun stuff happens, was on my graduate reading list. So uh, oh. I had to read book three in Greek um, at um, in at some point in my graduate coursework. Um, and it's very fun. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, nice. that's that's my main relationship to it. What about you guys? Yeah, Luke? Hmm. Um, I actually think I knew a little bit about this one. I knew there was a golden fleece and uh Jason and the Argonauts whipped around uh and went to places and slowly lost dudes. Um, but I feel like I get that confused with the Odyssey as well cuz I feel like they're both boat journeys in which various like small clumps of men die at each island and that we just sort Mm -hmm. of like roll with that um yeah so i'm excited to sort of uh learn all about this today and kind of have a little bit more of a differentiation in my mind between uh the two stories nice yeah that'll be good yeah what about you sam uh well it's uh time for our favorite segment what video game did Sam learn about this from? <laughs> and uh, that would be 2008's Rise of the Argonauts, uh, an action RPG, oh. I think. Uh, actually, it may just be an action game. I don't know that it's got... Anyway, uh, I I need to actually read the plot of this uh, because, Sarah, I think it will make your blood hurt. Oh, dear. Okay. Okay. And this is just from Wikipedia because I couldn't remember it and I didn't have 10 hours to watch the entire Let's Play on YouTube this morning. (laughs) Uh, So, in Rise of the Argonauts, the player assumes the role of the protagonist, Jason, in this instance portrayed as a king of Yolkis. Jason's bride, a warrioress princess named uh, Alcimi Enialios... Uh, who is the daughter of a Mycenaean king called Lycomedes, is assassinated on the wedding day. Jason avenges Al... Is it Alcimi? Alchemy? Uh, I guess probably Alchemy. Okay. They say it real weird in the game. Hmm. It's like Alcime. Uh, oh, huh. So I don't know. Alchemy, by killing the assassin who led an unexplained attack by mercenaries from Ionia and begins to investigate the doomsday cult of Hecate war, uh, worshippers in which the assassinated admitted uh, membership seals his body, seals her body, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, 
quickly discovers the only way to bring back his wife is to obtain the Golden Fleece. As it is said, the Fleece alone can undo events that have already occurred. Traveling to Delphi, uh, Jason learns from the Oracle that the only way to tread the road to the Fleece is to find three descendants of the three of three of his patron gods, Hermes, Ares, and Athena. The descendants of Hermes uh, is found on Saria, Athena's on Kathira, whereas Ares is located on Mycenae. Uh, they all join him. Then they go get the fleece in Tartarus. Uh, then he <laughs> sails home to revive Alchemy, where he confronts his traitorous uncle Peleus. Um, and uh, I also need to tell you, like, who the people on the boat are. Okay. So I your need my emotional are, support coffee for this. Yes. Your Argonauts are Jason, obviously. Hercules, who is in this game portrayed as essentially a brick wall of a man. <laughs> um, Atalanta, the world's fastest woman, uh, who was raised by centaurs. Um, Achilles, uh, before the Pro- Trojan War, obviously. Pan, uh, let's see, we also have, uh, Lycus, uh, chief of the Nisiros, a tribe of centaurs. We've got, uh, Medea, who is, uh, like, a witch, I think. Um, we do have Argos, so that's good. We've got Daedalus. Uh, Medusa apparently joins the group. <laughs> what? Also, uh, the head, the head of the Mycenaean arena is Patroclus, and he has no relationship to Achilles whatsoever. Oh my god, this! Yeah, uh, that did in fact physically hurt to listen to. Yeah, pretty good stuff, huh? I... <laughs> Why? Yeah, the, I, I don't. The real story is actually pretty cool, and I think would make a good video game. Why? Well, a, apparently they said, "What if we took the real story and just slam jammed the rest of them into it?" <laughs> yeah, I like that, that is... they go on a journey, much like your face went on a journey there, Sarah, where you started intrigued and then went through all five stages of grief, uh, right here on the Zoom call. <laughs> I'm so sad I couldn't see it, but I had to read all that garbage. Um, yeah, that, that was rough. Um, yeah, in how accurate it is. I am excited to clear some things up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All that to say, that's mostly my my exposure to Jason and the Argonauts. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Well, uh, if you would like to hear the actual myth, um, this is actually pretty cool. Uh, The story of Jason and Medea and the voyage of the Argo and the Golden Fleece and all of that. um, This is one of the oldest myths that we know of. Um, It Mm. is at least as old as the story of the Trojan War, because Homer references the story of Jason in, um, in the Iliad and the Odyssey. Um, and so oh. in the, you know, eighth century BCE, when the oral poets were composing these stories about the Trojan war, the myth of Jason's voyage already existed. Okay. So it's a very, very old story. God only knows where it originated from. Um, 
but it's like I said earlier, the main um, source for like the ancient source that people usually go to is a poem by a guy named Apollonius of Rhodes. Um, even though he's called of Rhodes, he was actually from Alexandria. Uh, he was one mm. of the early librarians <laughs> at Alexandria. So he was, oh, okay. this is a Hellenistic poem written in like the third century BCE. Um, so okay. sort of late considering how old the story is. Um, he obviously had like older sources that he would have pulled from um, that we just don't have anymore. Um our old friend Pseudo Apollodorus, who has this work called The Library, with lots of little myth bits in there. Uh, he also tells this story. Ovid tells parts of this story. Um, it's just sort of in the water. And uh, it does not, in fact, involve Achilles and Patroclus. <laughs> uh, because okay. this story is the generation of heroes before the Trojan War. So Achilles' oh. father, Peleus, is one of the Argonauts. Oh, okay. And Heracles is also one of them, at least briefly. Um, but yeah, this is this is a generation of... And, and Telamon, whose son Ajax is also at the Trojan War. All of these hmm. heroes at the Trojan War, their dads were on the voyage of the Argo. Okay. So that's sort of where we are in the world of myth time. Um, what you said earlier, Luke, about the getting this story mixed up with the Odyssey is kind of perfect hmm. because uh, this story is very similar to the Odyssey. And Apollonius, when he's writing this poem, pulls very heavily from Homer and he's riffing off of Homer constantly there's a mm. lot of like parallel things with the um odysseus's journey home in the odyssey and the things that jason encounters on this trip lots and lots of parallels i see oh. um and like pulling pulling similar language to the big difference of course is that like you can tell that the iliad and the odyssey were oral compositions because of these like repetitive bits and the sort of mm -hmm. like building in like reminders for yourself as you go of like where the story is little recaps um there's no repetition of like epithets or a recap of what's happened or anything like that in the argonautica it's very clear that this was like a written composition purely like mm. first and foremost um he didn't he didn't uh compose this <laughs> for for oral recitation before writing it down um so yeah, it's uh, it's a really great story. Um, this this poem also is our only existing Greek um, dactylic hexameter poem between Homer and the Roman period. So we don't know if Apollonius is like representative of what hexameter poetry looked like in mm -hmm. Alexandria in the Hellenistic period, um, but it's our lone link in the evolutionary chain of Greek poetry, <laughs> of epic poetry at this point. So um, oh. so it gets used a lot by scholars um, and, and examined from a lot of different angles because of that. Um, but before we get to that, the story of Jason, we have to back up and talk about the Golden Fleece. Uh, so the Golden Fleece, surprise, surprise, comes from a golden ram. Uh, so in, there's this, uh, brother and sister named Phrixus and Heli, and they have a wicked stepmother. Wicked stepmother stories go all the way back. Um, Love it. she is so wicked that she 
invents an oracle to get rid of them. And like through this fake oracle, she has convinced her husband, their father, that uh, in order for the fertility of their land to be restored, the gods are demanding the human sacrifice of Phrixus and Heli. And so, and he believes it because it's an oracle, right? So they're mm-hmm. about to be sacrificed. Uh, lucky for them, their mother is a cloud goddess named Nephili, and she <sighs> sends this flying golden ram to save them, like right before they're sacrificed. And she's like, get on the ram, fly to Colchis on the Black Sea, where Aetes is king. Aetes is a son of Helios, the sun god. She's like, go there. And when you get there, sacrifice the ram to Ares and you'll be fine. And they're like, great. They hop on the ram. They fly away. Um, They're flying over the sea as they're crossing over the Aegean. They've almost made it all the way over the Aegean Sea. Heli falls off and she Mm. falls to her death. Mm. And so that strait where she falls is called the Hellespont, which in Greek means like the Sea of Heli. Um, and so that's the old name for it today. It's called the Dardanelles Strait. Um, but that's why that area is called the Hellespont because that's where Heli fell off the golden ram. Another fun fact about Heli, um, because of this, all Greeks are named after her. The Greek word for Greece is Hellas, which is like Hmm. Heli's people. Basically it's, it derives from her name. So yeah, the Greeks are Heli's people. Um, she That's didn't, fun. she didn't make it out of Wicked Stepmother's plot really, but, uh, yeah, right. her, she gets this like amazing legacy in the linguistic world of Greece, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but Phrixus does make it. Phrixus flies all the way to Colchis on the golden ram, gets there. He's welcomed by King Aetes. They sacrifice the ram to Ares. Um, and then, you know, they skin it and the fleece is then a possession of the kingdom of Colchis. Um, and Aetes keeps it under guard by a dragon, Phrixes marries the king's oldest daughter. Everybody lives happily ever after. Uh, and now we can talk. We can get to Jason. Um, Quick question. Yes. Now you say dragon. I say dragon. Do the Greeks do the Greeks think of dragons the same way that like I think of dragons? Not in the like holding gold, hoarding gold kind of way, mm-hmm. but in the like giant snake that sometimes breathes fire away yes and has wings sometimes okay yeah uh though so the the greek word that gets used is dracon this is where our word dragon Mm -hmm. comes from um it it literally just means like serpent like any snake can any can get called a dracon but it usually does mean like a real big scary snake um and there is like a a time much later at the end of our story, like coda to our story, Medea like flies a chariot that's pulled by dragons. And so she like gets nice. in this flying dragon pulled chariot and like rides off into the sunset. Um, but yeah. So, so yeah, good question. Sort, sort of. Okay. Yes. Dragon sort of not. I didn't realize that like the concept of a dragon was that old. I always thought like medieval. But... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know when the whole, like, gold hoarding thing mm-hmm. got into it. Maybe, I don't know, maybe guarding a golden fleece is part of that. Um, oh. But I ha- I have no idea. Yeah. But Well, cool shit, regardless. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Um, 
So at this point, I want to just warn you that a lot of the names in this story are really similar. So if at any point you are confused, it's not you. It's the Greeks. Um, okay. Jason is the son of Aeson. The story, okay. the story starts in a town called Yolkus, and then mm-hmm. they go and sail to Colchis. Mm. Uh, Damn it. <laughs> the king of Yolkus is a guy named Peleus. In the movie Jason and the Argonauts that we're going to talk about later, they call him Pelias, and that might actually be a better way to, to pronounce it for the sake of confusion, because there's Peleus, Pelias, but then there's also Achilles' father, Peleus spelled slightly mm. differently, who is one of the Argonauts. Um, right. Colchis is also called Aya, not to be confused with the island where Circe lives, Ayaya. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so, um, if you get confused at some point and you just want to know, like, where we are, just, like, let me know. Um, and I'm yeah. sorry in advance for, like, the shit show that is this story um so so jason is the legitimate heir to the throne of yolkus his uncle peleus Pelias, is the king right now because he usurped it from jason's father so jason has grown okay. up in exile and he's now on his way back to claim his rightful throne um now peleus has been warned that a one-sandaled man will challenge his kingship. And so he should be mm-hmm. on the lookout. Well, as Jason is on his way to Yolkus, he gets to this river that he needs to cross, and there's a little old lady who's trying to get across. But, like, the river's pretty high, and she she can't do it. So Jason very gallantly, like, piggybacks her across the river, carries her over on his back. In the process, he loses one of his sandals in the mud uh, in the river. Mm-hmm. So that's how he ends up being one-sandaled. Um, it turns out that this little old lady was actually the goddess Hera in disguise, who was testing Jason's goodness. Um, and he passed, obviously. So from mm-hmm. this point on, Jason is a favorite of Hera's. And he can basically do no wrong in her eyes. Um, it also helps that King Peleus has been neglecting Hera. So this just adds to her desire to like help Jason overthrow Peleus. Um, and so she either helps him out directly or enlists the help of other gods along the way at strategic moments in this story. Um, so Jason gets to Yolkus, one shoe on, one shoe off, confronts Peleus, and Peleus is realizing, like, I need to get rid of this kid fast <laughs> or I'm going to lose my kingship. So he mm-hmm. sends Jason on this quest to retrieve the Golden Fleece from the Far East I mean, what what two Greeks back then was the Far East, right? Which is the Black Sea <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. in in Colchis, where King Aetes rules. Now, this is basically a suicide mission, partly because there are no boats that are capable of that voyage, and partly because Aetes has a reputation for being really cruel, and there's no way that he's ever going to give up the fleece without a fight. And he's the son of Helios, so like. If you in a fight with Aetes, you're always going to lose, right? So mm-hmm. Peleos is pretty sure he's got this in the bag, <laughs> like getting rid of Jason. Um, but of course he doesn't. Um, there is one ship that can handle this journey. It's the Argo, and it was built by a guy named Argos, so it's named for him, but with the help and direction of Athena. And mm. it also 
just a fun thing about the Argo. Um, it, it sort of is a character in this journey because the ship itself can talk. So Athena cut a plank from one of the oaks at Dodona, which is um, an oracle site. So everybody knows about the oracle at Delphi, um, mm-hmm. which is one of Apollo's oracles. But there were other oracles all around Greece. One of them is an oracle of Zeus at Dodona. And instead of interpreting the like ramblings of a priestess who's been breathing noxious fumes like they do at Delphi, the priests mm-hmm. at Dodona interpret the sound of the wind rustling through the oaks. And so because of that, the oak trees are thought to speak. And so Athena cuts a plank of wood from one of these oaks and uses it in the keel of the Argo so the ship can talk. And there are a couple of moments where the ship is like, hey, guys, <laughs> like strategic <laughs> moments and helps them out. <laughs> so they have this like God built ship, the Argo. Um, and then Jason assembles his like a team of heroes to go to Colchis with him. So we have Peleus, the father of Achilles not to be confused with the evil king. Um, His brother, Telamon, who is the father of uh, the great warrior Ajax. We have Heracles himself and his squire slash possibly boy toy, Hylas. Um, We have Orpheus, the greatest musician of all time. He's the coxswain. Mm -hmm. So he normally, you know, on a boat, you have a guy pounding out a rhythm on a drum that you row to. Mm -hmm. Orpheus plays his lyre and they row to the beat of his song. Gotcha. Um, we also have the Dioscuri, Castor and Polydeuces, um, who are he- Helen of Sparta's, Helen of Troy's brothers. Um, they're old enough to go on this voyage already. We also have the sons of Boreas, the North Wind. So his two sons are on this journey as well. And there's some other guys, but those are like the, the big ones. Um, and so the first two books of Apollonius's poem, the Argonautica, are The Trip Out, Book three is the stuff that happens in Colchis. And then book four is the trip home. Um, Mm -hmm. Lots of little adventures happen on the way out. Um, There's some fun ones. Like they stop in at this island that's entirely populated by women because the women murdered all the men. Um, They, but then the Argonauts show up and it's like a great opportunity for some low stakes procreation. So every woman Mm -hmm. picks an Argonaut. Uh, (laughs) The queen obviously picks Jason. She's like, why don't you guys stay for a while? You can sleep in my room, Jason. Um, And so the whole island eventually ends up pregnant, at which point the Argonauts leave. Uh, (laughs) Which is classic. Excellent. Um, At one of their stops, they lose Heracles and Hylas. And this is because Hylas has been like wandering through the woods, a river nymph sees him and is like holy shit hottie with a body must have you now and she like kidnaps him and pulls him into the river to make him her husband so mm. hylas just disappears out of thin air but they hear him scream as he's being pulled into the river by this nymph and heracles is like i gotta find him like i can't just leave him they're very very close he's heracles is incredibly distressed so he searches the forest all night At dawn, the Argo leaves without him. And by the time they realize that they've left Heracles, it's too late to go back. Mm. So they just, like, have to go on. Sorry, Heracles. Um, And he, like, (laughs) 
he keeps popping up in funny ways um, throughout the rest of Apollonius's poem, just like <laughs> making little references to like, oh, Heracles was also went here that in the place that they that they are at now, or like mm-hmm. a character comes up and it's like, you may remember him from Heracles's story, and so it's just like this constant <laughs> reminder that like, yeah, you had the greatest of the Greeks on your trip. And you forgot him. (laughs) 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 It's very cute. Um, One of the most important stops, though, that they make on the way out is they meet this guy, Phineas, who is a blind prophet who's tormented by the harpies. So uh, he has used his gift of prophecy to really help the people that he lived that in the village where he lives. And so they look out for him. They love him. They bring him food every day. But um, the gods are mad at him for using his prophecy in this way. And so they've sent the harpies every time he's he never manages more than like a bite. Every time he's about to eat, the harpies come down. They devour all the food and what they don't eat, they shit all over. So he can't eat it either. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> and so funny. So <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's literally the greatest punishment. Uh, like, I, I'm just trying to imagine that, like, in real life of, you know, someone's like, oh, fuck, like, what a buffet. And then, like, a couple shitty teen dudes come in and they're like, yeah, we're going to eat all of it. And then we're going to shit on everything that's left. <laughs> fuck you, old man. I know. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> so poor Phineas just like. It's torture, and he's he's wasting away because he never gets more than like one bite of food per day. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the Argonauts show up, he's like, "If you can get rid of these harpies for me, I will tell you anything you want to know." <laughs> and so, uh, lucky for them, right? Two of the Argonauts are the sons of the North Wind, and obviously, if you are descended from a wind, you can fly. So they can fly like the harpies do and so the sons of boreas chase the harpies away and um and so then phineas is free and he tells jason everything that's coming for him the rest of the trip to colchis um and so you know they go through the clashing rocks which guard the entrance to the black sea um and they have to they're all like really sad that heracles isn't with them anymore to help them like row really fast um but phineas has told them like send a dove through first and if the dove makes it through, then you'll make it through. Like, this is your omen. Um, the dove makes it through, except for, like, its back feather gets clipped just a little bit. So they're like, great, mm-hmm. we can do it. But it's going to be close. So they're rowing. They're rowing. They're getting close. They're almost there. But they're not going to make it. It becomes clear that they're not going to make it. They're going to get smashed between the rocks. Um, mm-hmm. So Athena reaches down and, like, on the back of the boat and like pushes them the rest of the way through. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> so they, they get through there. Um, at some point along the way, they meet the sons of Phrixus who rode the golden ram. Mm. And remember he married the daughter of I- Aetes's oldest daughter. So the sons of Phrixus are Aetes grandsons. Um, so they are out on some adventure or other um, that Aetes has sent them out on. Um, but Jason and his crew like rescue them from a shipwreck and they're like we will tell you anything you need to know like we're happy to just take you the rest of the way to Colchis we know the way um and so they end up being really really helpful to Jason um they get to Colchis they're a little bit worried about what kind of reception they're going to receive as Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of Greeks who have come from you know 
what to them in the ancient world feels like the other side of the world to take the kingdom's most prized possession back with them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they hide, they park the ship in like a patch of thick reeds where it can't be seen. And they decide that Phrixus's sons will take Jason up to the palace alone to meet Aetes. And the hope is that with his grandsons there to sort of soften the blow, Aetes will be a little more willing to talk. Um, Jason is, uh, not so good at all of the like hero things that we think of as being hero things, but he's a very good leader of men and he's very good at diplomacy. Um, mm. And so the hope is that they can get it by diplomacy. If they can't get the fleece by diplomacy, they're going to have to fight for it, but they want to test this first and see if Jason's smooth talking can do the trick. Now at this point, we're at the beginning of book three. This book is so delightful. Um, and I will put the link to the penguin translation in the show notes because I just think even if all you read is book three, it's totally worth it. Um, so we, we dash up to the heavens. We see Hera and Athena are watching everything that's going on and they're having a conversation about like, no way Aetes is giving up the fleece this easily. What are we going to do? They both realize that Jason's only hope is to get help from Medea, who is Aetes' youngest daughter. She's a priestess of Hecate, and she's basically a sorceress, um, kind of a kind of witchy. Um, she okay. she's very skilled in magic, so they're like Medea's the only hope. She's got the knowledge, the skills, the supernatural hookup with Hecate to help Jason get through whatever Aetes is going to throw at him, and to undermine her father. Well, the only way they're going to get Medea to help Jason betray her father to help this stranger is if Aphrodite gets involved. <laughs> So classic. they they go visit Aphrodite, and this scene is so funny because they go to Aphrodite's house, and she's like brushing her hair, uh, and they show up, and they're like, "Hey, girl!" And she's like, "Isn't this great? I'm not used to having you visit me." And she's like, very clearly, <laughs> just like teasing them of like, "You're acting like this is a social call, but you never visit me. I know you need something. What do you want? You know?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like. But all of that is below the surface. Uh, And so she's like, she's, she's like needling them about how these two snobby goddesses have come to ask for her help. And Hera is like, cut the shit. We need you to get your son, Eros, who is Cupid, right? Um, Mm -hmm. We need you to get Eros to go down and shoot Medea with an arrow, make her fall in love with Jason. So she'll help him. So they do that whole process of getting like, Eros may be a god, but he's, uh, an annoying little kid, um, basically. Mm. And so the process of like getting him to do what the adults want him to do is pretty funny. Uh, but he goes down and in the middle of the royal audience that Jason is having, he shoots Medea. And so she spends the entire like royal audience like trying not to let anybody see that she's like suddenly having these like very hot feelings for Jason, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, so Jason is explaining why he's in Colchis, that he would really, it would really be great, Aetes, if you could let me take the fleece back so I can get my kingship back. Aetes is furious, of course, and he's like, all right, you can have the fleece if you can do what I do every day, which is I have this pair of bronze fire-breathing bowls, and I yoke them to a plow, which is a challenge in itself, Then Mm -hmm. I plow a field and sow the field with dragon's teeth. And 
from the dragon's teeth, this actually happens in other myths as well. If you sow dragon's teeth in the ground, fully grown, fully armed soldiers pop up out of where the teeth were sown. So they get okay. called the sown men. Um, so you, you plow the field with these bronze bowls, sow it with dragon's teeth, and then this field full of soldiers pops up and ready to kill you. And I, so I kill all of them. I harvest, quote unquote, harvest the sown men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is what I do every day. Um, and if you can do that, then sure, you can take the fleece home with you. Jason has no choice but to accept, but he knows that he would die like instantly. Um, there's no way he can manage this. So he just he accepts the challenge and then he's got to go and like talk to his friends and try to figure out if there's a way to mm-hmm. make this happen. Um, so Medea hears all of this. She knows that she could help Jason, but she's concerned about betraying her father and her people. She goes to her sister to ask for advice. So her sister is Phrixus's widow. Her sons are the ones who have brought Jason to Colchis. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Aetes is pissed at them too, right? Medea is like halfway through asking for advice. She doesn't even get the chance to like confess everything that she's been feeling. And her sister is like, please, I need you to help because my sons are going to pay the price for this. Like in order to save my Mm. sons, your cousins, I need you to help Jason get the fleece and get the hell out of here. (laughs) And Medea's like, great. (laughs) You've made my decision for me. Perfect. So Jason is like despairing of ever being able to do these tasks because he's just a normal dude. Uh, and But Frixus's sons are like, hey, our cousin Medea is a witch. She can help you out. Um, we're going to talk to her. So everybody is like basically asking Medea to do the things she wanted to do anyway. So Medea and Jason meet uh, as arranged by other people. Um, Medea explains to Jason what he needs to do, gives him instructions on how to pray to Hecate for protection. Now, Hecate is like a witchy goddess. She's very much on the fringe of religion, Mm -hmm. heavily associated with like nighttime and dog sacrifices and like creepy crawlies and um, Mm -hmm. lunar magic. She's very cool. She's very fringe. Um, Yeah. And like most people are kind of scared of her and generally worship such as it is, is, like, done by women. Um, So Mm. not at all a, like, big central cult of a city like they make it in the movie. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That would not happen. Um, But anyways, Medea explains, like, here's how you sacrifice to Hecate and pray to her, which involves, like, this nighttime bathing and then sacrifice um, in the middle of the night wearing black. And then Medea also gives Jason this special ointment to rub all over his body, the morning of this trial to protect him from the flames that the bulls are going to breathe all over him and also mm-hmm. to like give him some superhuman strength so that he can actually control the plow and then fight the sown men. So because of these things that Medea has done for Jason, the next morning the whole city assembles to watch what's going to go down. He because of all this he is able to yoke the bulls and plow the field to sow the dragon's teeth. Um, and as he's finishing up the plowing, the armed, sewn men start to spring up out of the ground. So again, mm-hmm. he does what Medea told him to do, which is instead of jumping right in and getting himself killed, he throws a boulder into the middle of the sewn men 
Now, they were literally born this morning. They're not very smart. Um, mm-hmm. Throwing a boulder <laughs> into the middle confuses them. They all turn on each other and start killing each other. Mm. Oh. So Jason okay. just has to, like, wait a minute until there's only a few left. And then he jumps in and kills the last few. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so he's done it. He's done what Aetis asked of him. Um, Aetis is amazed, but he's also furious. He knows Jason had help somehow. And of course, like, the whole city has witnessed this. Everybody knows why Jason is here and what he was after. Aetis can't, like, back out of the agreement, but he also really doesn't want to give up the fleece. So Mm -hmm. he goes to bed angry, trying to figure out what to do. Medea knows that her father is going to figure out that she was the one who helped um, and has been aiding and abetting the Argonauts. So in the middle of the night, she runs to the Argo and she's like, unless you want to die tonight, you need to go get the fleece and we need to leave right now. Um, and oh, and she's going with them <laughs> because she's okay. going to be punished by her father. And right. when she met up with Jason to like give him the ointment and the instructions, um, she kind of confessed her love in like a sort of like a a way that made it so that she could backpedal if he didn't reciprocate. But Jason was like, I like I will always love and respect you for this help. And like, yeah, if you want to come back with us, I'll marry you. Uh, so <laughs> she's got this like sort of loose promise of marriage. Um, so she's like, we need we need to go now or he's just going to kill you all so he doesn't have to give you the fleece. So they row over to the grove where the fleece is under guard by a dragon. Once again, Medea saves the day. Uh, She chants a spell, basically sings the dragon to sleep so that Jason can grab the fleece while the dragon is asleep. And then they make a break for it uh, and they sail away. And so then most of book four is their trip home. And there's different versions of their trip home. Um, In some versions, they basically just go back the way they came. In Mm -hmm. other versions, like Apollonius has them take this wildly circuitous route home. Instead of leaving the Black Sea through the strait that they came in through, they go back through like a river system. Um, It gets called the Danube. Maybe it was the Danube that we know today. Um, Mm -hmm. They like follow this river system all the way back to the Adriatic that like dumps them in northern Italy. Then they go down, sail down the west coast of Italy. They have a little time in North Africa. <laughs> they um, <laughs> they go through the Mediterranean and into the Aegean Sea. They stop by Aiaia, where Medea's aunt Circe lives. Um, they have okay. a brief encounter at Crete with the um, bronze giant Talos, who guards Crete. Uh, and then okay. they go back to Iolcus. Um, Now, while all this is happening, of course, Aetes has sent some people to chase after them. Uh, and the Medea's brother, Apsirtis, is leading the Colchians who are pursuing them. Now, in Apollonius's version, Medea and Jason, like, lure Apsirtis to his death, where Medea is like, hey, can we talk? And her brother's like, yeah. And so, like, he's meeting up to talk with her one-on-one. Jason is, like, lying in wait, jumps out and kills him. Mm-hmm. There's another version of this that Ovid tells where Aetes himself is pursuing the Argonauts and Absyrtus has gone with Medea. So 
And mm. like, it's clear that IETs is gaining on them. They're going to get caught. So in order to save herself and Jason, Medea kills Absyrtus herself, dismembers him, and then mm-hmm. drops the pieces of his body into the water one by one behind them. So Aetes is distracted and delayed by like stopping to pick up the pieces of his son. Yeah, normal brother sister stuff. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I feel like there's a better way to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but killing your brother and dismembering him seems like a hinky plan at best. Oh, yeah, Luke. Um there's a better way to do that is basically the like story of Medea's life. <laughs> it gets it gets bad um i i don't want us to run too long but if we have time i will tell you about like what happens later in jason and medea's life um nice. okay it's not good um but yeah so this is either way that absyrtus is killed it's a blood crime right because medea has either done it herself or she's basically like told jason exactly how to do it so this mm-hmm. is a blood crime so this is why they stop at Ayaya to see Cersei, she can cleanse them of the blood crime so that they avoid mm. being like haunted by the Furies. Um, there is only one other thing that I want to tell you about the journey home, which is that they stop at the island of the Phaeacians, which is a, pl- a place that features in the Odyssey as well. Odysseus gets washed up on the beach um, mm-hmm. at the kingdom of the Phaeacians. Same king and queen. Um, Medea and Jason take refuge with them when they're running from the Colchians. But the Colchians have caught up, and they are also there in the kingdom of Phaeacia. So King Alcinous says, look, if Medea is a virgin, she has to go back to her father's house. This is, this is the way the Greek world works, right? Women always have a guardian. It's either your father or your husband, right? Mm-hmm. So if she's still a virgin, she has to go back to her father's house. I, like, I have no right to prevent that. If, however, she's already married to Jason, or she's, like, been living with him as his wife, I am not going to break up a marriage. Like, I have even less right to do that. I'm not mm-hmm. going to separate a husband and wife. So if they're already married, then she can stay with Jason. Now, he comes to this decision of what he's going to do um, at night, in bed, talking to the queen. So he like says, this is the, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell him in the morning, like, these are the these are the options. And then he rolls over and go to, goes to sleep. Queen Arite jumps out of bed, grabs a servant and is like, go down to the boat right now and tell Medea she needs to marry Jason tonight. Like they need to do it tonight. <laughs> they got to consummate this marriage and fast. Otherwise, my husband is sending her back with the Colchians. And we all know what's going to happen to her then. So the servant runs down to the Argo and is like, Queen Arte says you need to do it. <laughs> so well, the they queen have like said this, it. I know. I know. So like they had been, um, they had like a chaste relationship they'd been planning a wedding when they got back to greece but the argonauts like they disembark the boat they find this little cave and they're like we'll put a cloth in front of it that's good enough for a wedding night bedroom right uh they they, like have a very very rushed like bare bones wedding just enough to make it legit and so that jason and medea can consummate their marriage and the next morning the king makes his announcement about like 
what if she's a virgin versus if she is Jason's wife. And they're like, well, <laughs> funny you should say. <laughs> so the Colkians are are empty handed and but they also like they're terrified of King Aetes. They don't want to go home empty handed, so they're like mm-hmm. Well, I guess we live here now, and the Golki <laughs> soldiers don't go home. They just, like, resettle. <laughs> marry, marry local women and just stay. Excellent. Yeah. So, um, so that's basically it. Um, they, they get back to Yolkis. Um, Jason, once again, relies entirely on Medea to get revenge on his uncle, King Peleus. Um, she orchestrates everything. It's pretty brutal. That's again, if we have time, I'll tell you about that. Um, cause it's just, again, like there was a better way, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> because of the way in which she deals with Peleus, they have to flee Yolkus. Mm. They flee to Corinth. They live there. They have a couple sons. Everything's great until Jason decides that he wants to marry this hot young Greek princess. He'd rather be married to a Greek princess than a Colchian one. Uh, and Mm -hmm. then bad things happen (laughs) because you don't, hell hath no fury, like an actual sorceress scorned. Yeah. I was going (laughs) to say, like, I don't know the details here, but if you're married to a badass witch, uh, maybe don't piss her off and to to trade her in for the new, the hot new thing. That seems like a witch who is responsible for all your successes too yes yeah. and who, yeah. who may or may not have dismembered her own brother uh right. just to stall some people can i say though cleanse the blood crime is such a good metal album name mm-hmm. <laughs> um and it's all i can think about now yeah. That is amazing. Um, hey, when we get our, our water organ and our owl loss and our like ancient trumpet, our first album. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's it's our weird ancient Greek metal album, Cleanse the Blood Cry. Um can I earn some grease lightning points really quickly? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So I was really I heard Hecate. They don't say that. How do they pronounce it in this movie? Hecate? I think, yeah, I think they say Hecate. Yeah. Okay, which one? Which one should we go with? Because you've been saying Hecate, right? I think either one is probably fine. I don't know where the accent okay. is in the Greek word for it. I did not look that up. Okay, cool. Well, uh, my ears perked up because in the Scottish play, um, the witches pray to Hecate, and I was like, I don't oh. know a thing about this other than that's Ooh. who they pray to. And so, yeah, I would love to know the details on, like, I guess Shakespeare was literate in Jason and the Argonauts or had heard of this from some other sources. So, I don't know. You might know better, Sarah, what yeah. Shakespeare might have been exposed to. But, uh, yeah, they pray straight up to Hecate. That's awesome. Yeah, he, he may or may not have been exposed to the Argonautica, I guess. Um, but Hecate shows up in other literature as well. Um, she's... She's a very big figure in um, ancient magic for people who study that. Um, mm. But like I said, that's kind of fringe. Um, but there is, so there's this other poet um, from the Hellenistic period who writes a poem about this woman who is like doing nighttime Hecate witchy magic rituals in order to get her boyfriend back. 
Um, mm. She's like doing this fancy sort of like love potion thing. And that involves praying to Hecate. So I'm, I'm sure he would have read some of that. Helen, I mean, Hellenistic poetry had to feature in like classical education of that period. So sure. Yeah. He, if he didn't read this, he probably read that. <laughs> nice. That's super nice. cool. Very nice. Very nice. Five grease lightning points for Luke. That's awesome. Yes. And do I get any for having played 2008's Rise of the Argonauts, or <laughs> am I to assume that I lose points for oh, that? Oh, Sam. Um, we can be neutral for that, but... Okay. Yeah. I did you, watch 30 you minutes of it this morning, <laughs> and it's... Let me tell you, gaming's come a long way. It is It is a miserable watch, because there's, like, no plot whatsoever. <laughs> Um, oh man there's just a a scene where again a Hercules built like a brick shit house uh, is like how are you gonna find the oracle nobody knows really where she is and (laughs) I'm pretty sure people know yeah it's not a good oracle uh, if you can't find her yeah well speaking of things that have come a long way Ray Harryhausen (laughs) on the podcast again all right. So exciting. He, he outdid himself uh, this time. Yeah. Um, I read just like a very brief little article um, that, I mean, basically all it said was he did like tiny stop motion special effects yes. and then like cut it in together with footage of the actors. Um, but like... I don't know what that means. It sounds very complicated. This movie turned 60 this year. So, like, doing that shit in the mm-hmm. 1960s? What the hell? Yes. So, I I read a little bit about it in the IMDb facts. Okay. And um, basically, what they did is, when, when they shot the film, all the actors were just shadow boxing. So, there's nothing there when wow. they shoot it. They're just doing whatever. And then old fucking Ray Harryhausen comes in afterward <laughs> and has to has to position everything just so so that it like makes sense with their shadow boxing. God damn. Um, and in particular, the Skelly boys. Yeah. Oh. Uh, the the skeletons at the end. That took him just that scene took him four and a half months. Jesus. And okay, so Ooh. you know, there's there's 24 frames per second in like film, right? Okay. Some days he would only get like 13 frames done. <gasps> no. So Ray. he he would spend a whole day working on nothing but skelly boys, and he would get less than a second's worth. It makes me for think a of days uh, work. It's like that scene and that plot arc in Parks and Rec. Yes, it is very much like thing. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's just fucking Ray Harryhausen being like, okay, so I got to watch these scenes where they're shadow boxing, and then I got to position my little skelly boys, who each have five separate articulable parts, you know, two arms, two legs, and a head, that he has to move just so, so that it actually looks like they're really fighting, and he's got to do it 24 times for every fucking second and he did that for four and a half months and he didn't go nuts well <laughs> that is I amazing guess. Yeah. to yeah. me 
<laughs> I don't know, but like we've we've seen the Clash of the Titans that came about yes. twenty years after this. Um, and based on that, Kraken. Would we say Ray was in a good mental headspace? No. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. No. Oh, you could really make the argument that he wasn't in a good mental space when he was like, I'm going to make skelly boys do all this fighting. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and he's like, make it really long, please. Yeah. Um, what really gets me about that is like, they're not, they're not skeletons in the myth, you know, like he made that harder on mm-hmm. himself. Yeah, he did. speaking yeah. of uh, a better way to do this, I was just thinking about the fact that they did a lot of effects when uh, just a guy would have been fine. Um, yeah. Because, like, you can make a Harpy's costume. Uh, yeah. It might have looked th- a little hinky back in 1963, I but... Yeah. I have to imagine a cocaine-fueled Ray Harryhausen um, had the producers trapped in a room and said some form of, we're going to do a lot of of claymation, a lot of cool claymation shit. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be so cool. And I'll let you out if you say we could do it, okay? Otherwise, you just live here forever until you die. Um, And they were like, whatever you want, Ray. Whatever the fuck you want. Um, I did learn that the the boat in the movie yeah. mm-hmm. uh, was built on top of a, a fishing boat. And um, and it had like three Mercedes-Benz engines like propelling it. <laughs> and the boat cost fully 10% of the movie's budget. Oh and then God. they ended up uh, giving it to the studio who then used it for Cleopatra later. Mm. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. But 10% of the movie's budget on a boat. On, on boat. one boat. Damn. Uh, God. And the rest was on the uh, the stop motion, I'm sure. The actors <laughs> and, probably got paid like 10 bucks each. Yeah. And Ray Harryhausen's cocaine. Yeah. Because <laughs> I have to imagine without cocaine, it would have taken Ray nine months to, to, to do, do all the skelly boys. The skelly boys, yeah. God, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, what did y'all think of the movie? Go for it, I mean, Sarah. It's... So I, I did have a good time, I will say. Mm-hmm. Like, I really had a good time with this, despite the fact that it's just sort of like got lots of different parts of the myth sort of mishmashed together. Um, mm-hmm. Like, they they at least sort of gestured to a couple of things, and I was like, oh, they're actually going to try to, like, get a bunch of this in. Like, it, you know, you can... It's hard to introduce as many characters and events in a movie as, as it is in, like, a book, right? So it's like, maybe they're going to actually, like, get a lot of this stuff. And, you know, the special effects are just, like, totally charming from this temporal mm-hmm. distance. Um, who's like, this is actually really fun. I was having a great time with it until the last like 20 minutes or so when Mm -hmm. Medea shows up and she's such a fucking milk toast damsel in Mm -hmm. distress. Yeah. Yeah. And like, she is the hero of the myth. Okay. Jason can't do a goddamn thing without Medea in the actual myth. Mm -hmm. So that really made me angry. And I had a really hard time getting past that. 
For sure. Understandably, they uh, they did her dirty. They yeah. really did. Because she, like, barely has any lines. Yeah. It's just, like, they just sort of threw her in there, and it's so weird. Yeah. I don't... I don't... It's very it weird. It too. pissed me off. It sucks, too, because, like, a, a comment I made about this movie is that it's just wild. Like, we still have a lot of issues in 2023, but you couldn't mm-hmm. make a movie, I hope today that is nothing but like middle-aged white guys and one woman i hope we're beyond that because every movie that you see coming out now like has a has a a we're shifting towards a cultural focus on diversity right this one 1963 nah just a bunch of dudes and so we get to her and you're like yay a woman and yeah she doesn't do anything yeah. yeah, Luke, you and I have watched some of the Fast and Furious movies, which is, uh, it is a more diverse group of middle-aged men <laughs> and one woman. Uh, <laughs> but, but it is... I, a bu- might I also direct your attention to 300? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But you're right, Luke. This is like a particularly heinous <laughs> version of that. It's pretty yeah. bad. And I would point out for both of those, there are female characters throughout the movie they may not pass the Bechdel test or whatever yeah but like mm-hmm. this one we, we go like three quarters of the way if not more through this movie and it's it's all it's a sausage fest it's one it big sausage fest yeah yeah um yeah. you know you throw in one fast car and as Justin McElroy puts it a whole lot of butt women mm-hmm. and it's a fast and furious movie <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um, oh man yeah I, yeah but okay, what did you guys have, think of this um I was a little bored really yeah I was Aww. a little bored um I, there are parts of it that I enjoyed um it's th- th- some first of all the music the music actually got on my nerves because it doesn't really change at all throughout the entire like two hour mm, flick that's fair and so after a while, it starts to get very repetitive, and that was, you know, I started this at like five thirty in the morning, so just like not, not super jazzed to hear a lot of the same shit. Well, Sam, um, yeah. they could only pay for five minutes of score because of Ray Harryhausen's uh, yeah. budget. <laughs> and look, he earned all of it. I just wish they'd maybe gotten a smaller orchestra and done more tracks fair enough um (laughs) so like there was that um i the the fight scenes for the most part uh again credit to ray harryhausen but they they're they're very weird because there's a lot of scenes where it's just someone like swiping back and forth with a sword and nothing happening until we hit the skelly boys in, and at that point, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, except for Jason. The guy who plays Jason can't shadow box for shit. Because <laughs> the other guys were doing a hell of a job. And then you go over to Jason, who, can, again, can't fake it for for his life. <laughs> and so I got cracked up by that. But, um, I like, it. yeah, it wasn't too bad. You know, I I don't know, Luke. What what'd you get? Hmm. I was bored at times. Mm-hmm. Um. Like there's a scene very early on when they're running from something or they're rowing away from 
some threat. Um, and we see the same shot. It's like three shots of dudes rowing, looking over their shoulders, looking anxious. And we see those same oh, three yeah. shots like five yes. times in a row. They're not yes. like similar. And They're identical. <laughs> is this also the, the same three shots where like somebody is flopping around on the boat like a fish? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we hit that part and I thought, we're in trouble uh, <laughs> with this one. Um, but no, it was fascinating. It's kind of like... I, I don't know. I kind of like the classics. I think it's fun to crack open a can that has been sitting on the shelf since 1963 and like mm-hmm. check out what it was about. And it's kind of crazy what they could do without computers back in the day. Oh, yeah. Um, I will say yeah. this movie is not quite a Sergeant Peppers. Like it hasn't stood the test of time and sounds as fresh as it did then. Uh, it's a little stale. And mm-hmm. uh, especially like, oh, you're going to kill me, Sarah. But what what's his name? The giant bronze guy that they. Oh, yeah. Talos. Talos. Thank you. Uh, like that part. Pretty. Uh, that's ooh, that's some clay. Like, yeah, pretty mm-hmm. obviously that's a big clay guy. Um, and also yeah. like went on for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, sonically. A lot, a lot of creaking metal noise. Yeah, a lot of the same creaky metal noise. Yeah, and I'm sitting there at six in the fucking morning, hearing creaky metal noise over and over again. Yeah. <sighs> so I don't know. I did. Mixed bag. Yeah. I mean, like, I'll say I learned a lot of things from this. Um, like. Uh, I didn't know that all ancient statues are just full of juice. <laughs> oh, well, Telos actually is full of juice. That's, oh, a, okay. that's like, a unique to him. So um, he's actually, the whole, like, Isle of Bronze thing, they just made that up for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, Talos, Talos, however you want to say his name, is the guardian of Crete. Um, now, when Zeus, like, kidnapped and raped Europa... He, like, mm-hmm. he turns himself into a bull, right? She pets the bull, and then suddenly she's, like, riding the bull, and he's like, we're out of here, and, like, swims across the ocean to Crete. Um, so Europa is taken from her home and deposited in Crete. Um, and Zeus gets this bronze giant Talos to guard her. Um, mm. I believe this is another example of Hephaestus being a badass and making robots before robots existed oh, okay. you know basically yeah. like but he's like a living robot so he's got icor which is like divine god's blood um mm, okay. running running through him and that's what keeps him alive so he guards the island of crete and he throws big boulders at ships that try to land um so the argo on their way home from colchis they sail past there and um mm-hmm. medea like basically tricks talos like she puts a spell on him and like sort of tricks him into doing this to himself. He has this like one vulnerable spot on his ankle where the vein mm-hmm. is that like carries mm. the icor through his body. Cuts it okay. on a rock. All the icor goes flowing out of his um, ankle in a rush, um, mm-hmm. and then he dies. Uh, oh. So he's like he's the only one that's full of juice but okay. uh, i did kind of love that they <laughs> had that in there um and i was mm-hmm. like <laughs> i was reading it again this morning and the um at least in this penguin translation they say that the icor 
the like the blood flowed out of him like molten lava. So it was like, okay, mm. so like the the bright red shower of stuff that Jason keeps having to jump back from is actually not totally ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I I just saw it and I was like, no, it's statue juice. Oh no. Cause it, it looks a lot like cranberry juice. Um but it was does, in fact yeah. uh cellophane, turns out. Fucking Ray Harryhausen, man. Damn. What a uh, what a genius. Uh, I also do love that Hercules has just got the the god's perfect idiot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's take um, this thing that we weren't supposed to take. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Let me think. What what else did I have? Um I I called them diaper fights. I think it was just wrestling. <laughs> but I called them diaper fights. Uh, that that was fun. That was so funny. Uh, and actually, that really cracked me up, that whole scene, because it was like, everybody that won and that Jason was like, you will be on this journey with me. He, like, hands them a sweatband. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. a sweatband of glory. <laughs> yeah, you're on the team. Here's a sweatband. I also loved in that scene... Uh, Sam, did you clock the birth of disc golf? I did clock the birth of disc golf, and I gotta tell you, Hercules has bad form. Hercules has, they both have, pre- hey, it's the birth of disc golf. But yeah, there's essentially, yeah. They're, they're challenged to throw a discus at a specific rock and land it. Right? It's a nice mm-hmm. island hole, is what you've got there. It is. Par three island yeah. hole. Uh, first one <laughs> ever played, and uh, yeah, I thought that was big water charming. hazard, huge water hazard. Yeah, it's yeah. the ocean. It's pretty big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I I did love that. Um, I'm trying to think, what else do I have here? Um, shit, I wrote it down, but I don't remember. But the children of the night. Oh uh, yes, was a line that really got me. <laughs> it was so good. Um, uh. I did love that the fleece was just like a a shitty rug with like tinsel in it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> and then, I we have to talk about the end of the movie. Okay. Yes. Because we have Skelly Boy fight. And then we cut up to Zeus, who's like, and Jason had many other adventures. And. Yeah. Like, it's so fucking weird. Yeah. It's it's very abrupt. I I feel like they could have just like, you can end a movie on like a, on a like dramatic hero kiss, right? Like you could have just had like. Jason and Medea on the boat, sailing away. They kiss, fade out, the end. Well, that's fine. But, like, sure. going up and, and making it... I I don't un- really understand the whole, like, Zeus and Hera are playing a game with them right. this whole time. Yeah. And Zeus is like, there's more to come, but right now the game's mm-hmm. over. I, we so, didn't need it's that. It's so clunky. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I, like yeah, the the whole thing with Zeus and Hera was just like, I I guess just showing how misogynistic you can get in 
Mm. <laughs> I guess. Um, I don't. It's it's a strange movie. Yeah. And it really is. It did it did make me nauseous. Nausea report with Luke Patrick for the first time on Greased Lightning. Oh. Um, mm. Because this is pre steady cam. And there's a lot of yeah. boat shots. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your boy oh. struggled a bit with some oh, of this. No. <laughs> That's rough stuff. <laughs> I made it through, but there were some moments where I just had to stare at the floor um, and wait for it to go away. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh, that's rough. I also think everybody like swims really weirdly in this movie. Did you guys notice mm-hmm. this? Yeah. They like swim yeah. with one arm pulled up like in their like up against their chest and like they're only swimming with one arm. What's the yeah. point? It seems of that? very inefficient. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand I, that at all. I guess it was like for maximum face exposure. I guess, yeah. See, now I'm starting to wonder if maybe they were all, like, fake beards and stuff, and whatever they used was, like, water-soluble. Mm. <laughs> and so they were like, D- you have to swim in this scene. Don't get your face wet. For the love of God. We don't have any more money for for face glue because Ray Harryhausen needed more cocaine. Yeah, so you're saying Ray Harryhausen needed cocaine budget. So they went to, like, Spirit Halloween and got mm-hmm. like the cheapest stuff they could get. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They're like, you gotta swim, keep your face out of the water, but don't look like you're doggy paddling. No one wants that. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, I did. Um. Oh, who the fuck was the big merman? Oh, oh yeah. that's Glaucus. Hit. Um, Glaucus is a sea god. Um, okay. And he does actually. Now I can't remember when this happens. It's at some point on their voyage to Colchis. I think maybe actually he's the one who tells them not to worry about Heracles. But yeah, Glaucus is a sea god. And at some point in the Argonautica, he like pops up and talks to Jason for a minute. Um, I think he. T- I think it's when they're debating whether or not to go back for Heracles. And Glaucus is like, nope, mm. don't go back. He's got other things to do. Um, and then, like, goes back down, and they sail on. Um, he does not gotcha. hold the rocks for them, but he does exist. Uh, so okay. I, I think they were going for Glaucus. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Because yeah. I saw him, and I was like, I don't think that's Poseidon. But I don't know who the fuck it is other than possibly yeah. John C. Riley's dad. <laughs> yep. It's... Huh. Well, uh, y'all have anything else on this one? Uh, nope. Should we should we rate this movie? Yes. Mm. Yes. <sighs> I give it. Um. One and a half months, out of four and a half months. <laughs> Of cocaine-fueled <laughs> Skelly Boy work. Nice. <laughs> I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it. Sorry, go ahead, Sarah. I'm still I'm still thinking. Anyway, go for it. Oh, okay. Um, I'm gonna give it two out of three 
Heads of Hecate. Mm-hmm. Nice. Pretty good. I think it's got to be four out of ten uh, Spirit Halloween beards. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Beautiful. Excellent. Uh, well, uh, let me pull up our little list here and next time we'll be watching Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. What? (laughs) I'm so excited. If I could be more excited about an episode other than this one, it's it's Harold and Kumar. I can't wait. (laughs) Okay, I am perplexed and I am excited. Same. Deeply same. (laughs) Right, well, we got something to look forward to. Um, but until then, folks, thanks for listening to another episode of Grease Lightning. You can find us on Facebook at Grease Lightning Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Grease Light Pod. You can find us on Instagram at Grease Lightning Pod. You can send us an email at GreaseLightningPod at gmail.com. We're also on uh, Mastodon at GreaseLightning at home.social. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.